0: Welcome in on a Monday night, another episode of the Idaho State Journal Sports Podcast. I'm Madison Guernsey. With me as always is Andrew Houghton. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: Good, man. How are you?
0: I'm great. Just finished up another shift uh, at the Idaho State Journal, ready to talk some ISU football. And for the first time, ISU men's basketball. Might get a little ISU women's basketball in in here too.
1: Yeah. A lot of uh, stuff
0: going on. Yeah. Yeah, and you're really excited about ISU men's basketball. So let's lead off with that. Uh, Are you sure you don't want to start with ISU football? They had a big, big game last week, and it's homecoming this week.
1: We can do that too. <laughs> like,
0: is you're the
1: boss, man? I am down to talk about ISU football. I have some thoughts about them. Obviously, after
0: the game, the Idaho State, last week. the Idaho State Journal Sports Podcast is never ever scripted, folks. We do this uh, all very. <laughs> On the fly. So yeah, I think we need to start with ISU football. Uh, Andrew was at the game in Missoula, Montana this past weekend. Um, ISU got up 17 nothing early and then went on to lose 59-20. to um, Kind of a, a weird game. Had um, ISU and its followers feeling really good for about 16 minutes and then they almost
1: exactly 16 minutes yeah and the
0: rest of the game they were not feeling very good andrew kind of walk us through kind of what you saw on saturday
1: yeah well first off i don't think uh you can take too much away from this game Montana is a really good team montana's there are very few teams as good as montana in the fcs this year and that's just a fact uh, they were they exceeded the expectations that I had for them. Dalton Sneed is playing out of his mind right now. The Montana quarterback. He just won his third straight Big Sky Offensive Player of the Week award. There's not much you can do to stop him when he gets going. And you know, I think there's some positives to take away from ISU. You know, by the end, it was it was bad. It was bad. It was humbling. It was a little bit humiliating. Uh, but at the beginning, I mean, you know, they they really forced the Montana offense that's been so good to find a plan that worked to make some adjustments to get going because Montana didn't really do anything in the first quarter I mean Bobby Howe could have gone for it on a couple fourth downs in the first quarter I thought he probably should have but he just punted it away and that's those are good stops for Idaho State um you know they forced Montana to sort of you know realize really go into where the matchups were and where they had the advantages and and you know fight their way out of that hole. Um, and then, of course, the, the Idaho State offense also looked r- really good at times. I mean, you can see what what Rob Fennessy and Mike Ferreter want to do with this offense. With Matt Struck back there, some of the throws that he can make, some of the things that they can do with him uh, a lot of, in, the, in the run-pass option game, I mean, that worked for them for a solid quarter, and it wasn't. They had big plays, but they were converting third downs. They were moving the ball consistently. So, you know, I mean, I'd still say... If you want to look on the bright side for this game as an Idaho State fan, you can. Uh, now, there were there were a lot of things that got exposed, too. Um, you know, the the defense in the second half really didn't have an answer for anything. Montana mm-hmm. was able to do basically whatever it wanted. Uh, the cornerbacks, Anthony Ricks and Caleb Brown, got exposed a lot. I mean, those are... Samori Torrey and Sammy Ackham are, are two of the best receivers in the Big Sky Conference. But... The cornerbacks got exposed. Um, in the second half, you know, Struck was really inaccurate in the second quarter, second half. Um, I talked to him today. You know, he says he's he's got that diagnosed. What what was going wrong? I think it was a little bit of a, a footwork issue. Um, I think he was maybe a little bit gun shy after he took a big couple big hits um, early in the game, and that was sort of affecting his footwork, his ability to step into throws, stuff like that. He says he's got it diagnosed, but um, you know after the first quarter he was uh really inaccurate and that sort of stalled the Idaho State offense in its tracks but um you know so some good some bad
0: how yeah and you you met with Matt Struck and Rob Fennessy and a couple other members of that uh ISU team this afternoon what were what were their thoughts and you know what yeah i guess what was their uh response to that game
1: yeah i mean i think i don't think they're they're running away from it I mean, you had players saying, "Yeah, that was a that was a gut check for us." You know, that was you know this is something that has to motivate us for the rest of the season. Now, this is you know we went in there and we thought we could compete with them, and basically at the end it turned out we couldn't. You know, nobody said that explicitly, mm-hmm. but that's sort of what what the mood around the team is. I think, and I think that they are now using that as as motivation for. The future, I mean, it's tough. That The only thing you can do after a game like that is is move on. I mean, you know, it's the most points they've given up in three years. Yeah. Yeah. You, you sort of just have to, to bury it, and you can say, okay, well, that is a really good team, and maybe we weren't quite as ready as we thought we were. Maybe this gives us some, some more things to work on, stuff like that. But it, it, at the end of the day, you have to get past it, and, of course, that's always going to be Rob Fennessy's message. You know, as soon as we got in the locker room after the game, we're moving on to North Dakota, and right. I feel like as much as they can do that, and it might be difficult after a game like that. But as much as they can do that, the better off they'll be.
0: And you mentioned the most points ISU gave up in three years; uh, they they hadn't given up fifty nine points since their last trip to Missoula when they lost sixty two to forty four. So maybe ISU right. just that can't in, play up there. I, was, I don't know.
1: That was in twenty sixteen. And, yeah. you know, I it's, it's, it's a tough place to play. It was. It was packed. I mean, over twenty five thousand people there for Montana. And it was their homecoming, coming. correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was. It was packed. They were loud. I mean, even when Idaho State was was moving the ball early. I mean, they scored on their first three possessions. But the one where they had to kick a field goal in there because I think they got a they got a false start in the red zone and backed them up from third and eight to third and thirteen, which is a big difference. And that's what that's what that stadium does. They're they're good at doing that. They they know when to make a lot of noise and they make a lot of noise. And sometimes it's just difficult, you know. And I think that you know, partially with all the penalties for Idaho State, um, Idaho State, I believe had eleven penalties for 121 yards uh, against Montana, which was nearly as many penalty yards as they'd had in the first four games of the season combined. Yeah, by far the most they've had this year. Yeah, by far the most. I think part of that is you know the crowd doesn't. Doesn't let up on you. It doesn't give you a break, and you know people are heckling you the whole time, and it's it's a tough and you know sort of heavily charged environment to to play in. And yeah. Who who knows if that was an issue or if just a couple of things uh, got away from them, but that that probably comp- contributed to to the other penalties too. So.
0: Looking ahead to this Saturday, ISU hosts North Dakota for the Bengals homecoming game, sort of an uh, odd matchup in that North Dakota is playing as an FCS independent, so they don't have conference standings on the line, but ISU does, so this game counts for and against ISU's big sky record. Um, Of course, North Dakota still has an FCS postseason berth on the line. That's kind of what they're playing for, but no conference implications for them. Andrew, what do you know about the Fighting Hawks Um, and yeah, what can we expect to see on Saturday?
1: Yeah, North Dakota is a team that's definitely still in contention, like you said, for an FCS playoff berth. They they can get in as an independent if the mm-hmm. selection committee, uh, you know, feels that their
0: resume is strong enough. And and as... they're of course they're of course mostly playing big sky teams. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: they they played uh, Drake, a Pioneer League team in the non conference, and then North Dakota State, obviously uh, MVFC team. They played Sam Houston State, which I believe is uh, the Southland. Sure. conference. <laughs> um, so they, they've been playing all over, but now that now that we're in the back half of this, the, the schedule, they're basically playing a Big Sky conference schedule. So right. yeah, I mean, they, they've done really well. They uh, beat UC Davis mm-hmm. last week on kind of a, a wild finish. Uh, UC Davis scored late. Dan Hawkins went for the two-point conversion and got it to get the one-point lead, and then North Dakota drove down and kicked a field goal that I believe... Uh, under a minute left, davis drove down and and had a long field goal at the at the end to to win it, but missed that a, a really long field goal um so that uh that pushed north Dakota to three and two yeah it 's kind of a a weird thing because none of the none of the big sky people you know really focus on them anymore yeah none of them, it's it 's tough for the big sky people to sort of diagnose how good they are and that goes for me too i mean they 're certainly a competent team they 've played uh, they played a really tough schedule so far. Yeah. Uh, North Dakota State, obviously, lost that game. That's the number one team in the country. They Their other losses to Eastern Washington. Mm. Um, that was kind of Eastern Washington's bounce-back win. That was in Cheney, uh, 35-20 to Eastern Washington. Uh, and then their wins over Drake, which is a Pioneer League team. They're expected to beat that team. And then wins over uh, then-ranked Sam Houston State and, of course, uh, UC Davis yeah. last week. I mean, they've... They've played a really tough schedule. So they have no
0: super easy game. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I
1: mean after after the season opener against Drake, they they haven't played an easy game. I mean they've played yeah. a ranked team in every one of those games, and they've gone two and two in those four games, which is pretty impressive. Uh, you know the thing that that Rob Fantasy said he was really looking out with them today is they've kind of changed up their offense, changed up their philosophy a little bit. Um, North Dakota, of course has always been sort of a ground-and-pound team Mm -hmm. um, under Coach Bob Schweigert. I mean, for the longest time they had John Santiago, Brady Oliveira, um, two two really all-conference caliber running backs. Um, Ran the ball with those guys. They've had guys in the past before those guys. This year uh, they're spreading it out a lot more. Uh, Their quarterback, Nate Ketteringham, is a senior. This year he was basically a two year starter at Sac State. Yeah. Before transferring to North Dakota. Sort of an odd path, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he can he can sling it a little bit. They like to go three wide. Hmm. This year they like to go three, four wide, spread it out, run a little bit of RPOs. Um, you know, Caleb Brown told me today um, that it's actually it's really similar to what ISU runs on offense. You know, hmm. spreading it out, going three wide, running the RPOs. Stuff like that, you know, trying to spread it out and then get the, the lanes for the running game. Yeah. Um, you know, he said, he said it sort of in the context of, well, we'll get a good look at it this week from our scouts because it's really similar to what hmm. we run and what they know already. So um, that's kind of the, the lowdown on North Dakota.
0: Interesting note on the head-to-head history. I want to say ISU and UND have faced off something like seven or eight times, and ISU's only wins are at North Dakota. Uh, so, interesting. So they've never beaten North Dakota at Holt Arena, but ISU has played better at Holt Arena as of late. I think they only lost one home game last year. Um, obviously, they're they're two zero at home this year. So that'll be yeah, interesting game. ISU kind of needs to bounce back um, and have a better showing.
1: Right. And at this point, um, as we've talked about, ISU season in in terms of playoff chances is is, is basically dead with the losses to to Northern Iowa and Montana. They have to win
0: out, basically. Right, Inclu-
1: yeah. including the BYU game, maybe. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. So so that's basically dead. I, I don't think that motivation will be an issue for them, but I just wanted to point that out. Um, I think, you know, North Dakota will they be... They could...
0: Sorry to interrupt. They could mathematically still win the big sky and get sure. in that way.
1: If they had right. one big sky loss or yeah. two big sky losses at the end of the season and, and won the big sky, yeah, depending on how things yeah. play out.
0: They're probably not going to get an enough- athletic at large birth at this point, could still win the Big Sky. Yeah, th- yeah.
1: thanks for pointing that out. I think uh, North Dakota is going to be favored this week. North Dakota is obviously coming off a win over a ranked team, and, and Idaho State was blown out by a ranked team. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that they were the same caliber of ranked teams. You know, North Dakota is really threatening the the top 25 right now. I mm-hmm. think they're the third team out of the top 25 Yeah. Uh, or something so they'll be favored this week. I think this is uh has the potential to be a lot closer game than than people sort of think. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Idaho State, you know, won this game, won this game by a fair amount, you know. Yeah. Uh North Dakota is not the same caliber of team that Montana is, obviously. I don't think that very many teams are that kind of caliber of team. I think uh I think these two teams are really close. I I mean, I think basically they're both mid-tier Big Sky Teams still,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Regardless of you know, sort of the recency bias or you know whatever happened last week, yeah. I don't think they're that far apart.
0: Yeah, should be an interesting uh, 1 p.m. game time.
1: Yeah, is that correct? Uh, yeah. And Rob Fennessy was uh, super happy about that. He uh, he likes to play
0: earlier. He likes he to play, likes to play early. as early as possible. Yeah,
1: yeah. He thinks that the 1 p.m. kickoff is sort of like a classic college football. Kickoff time, and because um, you know, sometimes they can't do that for these conference home games because the Big Sky Conference sort of mandates the kickoff time. Uh, with hmm. what, what he said to me today is that with North Dakota not considered technically a Big Sky team, Idaho State was able to set the kickoff time, so they got their, their one PM kickoff time.
0: Right, because they're usually at two thirty or three thirty or somewhere around there. Right, yeah, right yeah. to fit
1: the to fit the Big Sky schedule. Yeah.
0: Okay, so homecoming for Idaho State on Saturday against North Dakota. One o'clock, uh, we'll be there live at Holt Arena giving you updates on com and Twitter and Facebook, so be sure to follow along with us there if you're not at, at the game yourself. Uh, as Andrew mentioned earlier, I checked out my first ISU men's basketball practice of the season this evening. They've been practicing for a week or two, and I finally made it over, over to Reed Gym and watched that team for... A couple hours, and uh, pretty interesting. I mean, a new-look team in a lot of ways. First of all, they have a ton of newcomers. Um,
1: We should walk through this scenario a little bit. So Bill Evans left after last season. Correct. Long-time head coach. Uh,
0: Seven seasons, I believe. That's pretty long time in in college basketball. Yeah, so yeah, Bill Evans uh, did not get his contract renewed after seven seasons. Um, Had one winning season out of those seven. It's not good. Not great, yeah, um, and his. I, th- I think his one after his one winning season, he got an extension. So you know he, he hit that at the right time. But uh, good for
1: him man. contracting Bill Evans, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. boy. And so uh, then this this past spring, ISU hired Ryan Looney as its new head coach. Ryan Looney comes from, um, oh my gosh. I am totally blanking on where he just came from.
1: Well, he he was a Juco
0: guy, right? He was a D2 at D two Pacific Lutheran okay. in San Diego. That's not the correct name of it, but he came from uh, a D2 school in San Diego, and I don't know why I'm blanking on where he came from. But uh, that team just lost in the D2 National Championship game last season. So he had... Comes from Point Loma. Point, Point Loma. That's a D2 Point school. Point Loma huh? Nazarene, Yes. Point okay. Loma Nazarene. D2 school in San Diego. I was close. I had the P and the L correct there. But. That a boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ryan Looney, he's he's kind of got folks excited, um, just kind of getting ISU men's basketball turned in a new direction. Um and, right. And so yeah.
1: with that, you I mean, you were talking about a lot of there's a lot of newcomers on the roster too Tons. because yeah. that's what always happens, sort of, with the coaching change.
0: Right. ISU lost some guys to transfer. Um Ryan Looney brought in a bunch a bunch of transfers from the College of Southern Idaho and Twin Falls. He also brought in Jared Fay as his associate head coach from CSI. Fay was the longtime head coach over there, so he brought a lot of his ex players with him. So it's kind of a combination of the leftovers from ISU and a bunch of CSI guys that's basically taking parts of two teams and trying to get them to form into one which will be really interesting to kind of see how that all shakes out I I don't know how that's I don't know how it's going to work but that's yeah just very interesting kind of blend of guys on this team
1: yeah that's a weird situation I mean sometimes you have teams that are made up of a lot of transfers and you worry about the chemistry and how those guys mesh and and stuff like that. And in this case rarely do you have guys who are just a bunch of transfers who have played together from the same team. Yeah. Yeah. Coming into, you know, a team with at least some leftover chemistry, even, even, you know, all the transfers that they've had. Uh, so you'll be keeping an eye on that presumably as the season goes on.
0: For sure. Yeah. And you know, with, with every season, it'll probably take ISU a little while to figure out who their best five are and kind of what the best combinations of players on the floor are at the same time. Um, the Big roster. 17 players on the roster. Wow. I think they have a handful of walk-ons or at least... Um, Guys that were walk-ons at one point and maybe have earned a scholarship since then, but 17 players on the roster. Uh, I actually I asked Ryan Looney about that at practice. I said, "You know, you, you have a big roster. How many guys do you think you're going to play?" And he said he usually rotates nine guys. Said that's he, pretty pretty uh, traditional. basketball yeah, yeah. rotation. You get your
1: your eight or nine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and he he said, you know, I'm not sure what those nine are going to look like right now. When I was at practice, they had 17 guys. Split up into first team, second team, third team, and the third team is basically all walk-ons. So um, from there, it's pretty easy. You know, you can kind of tell who those nine or ten guys sure were going to be. But still early, obviously. I've only been to one practice, probably not enough to put a, a firm flag in that in that take. But that's what that's what I saw today. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Any any sort of impressions? This is this is what I'm curious about with new coach. Any sort of impressions on? How you think they'll play, you know, what style up tempo, slow it down, focus on defense, you know, focus on shooting or
0: right? Well, one of uh, two of Ryan Looney's kind of hallmarks that he's hung his hat on and had a lot of success with are defense and rebounding. Okay, um, so he he definitely hammered home both of those points during practice. I mean, he he didn't, I thought it was interesting. The first part of practice, they kind of got into their offensive stuff, and he didn't stop practice at all he just kind of let his players run through all their sets and everything and then once they got into their defensive drills he stopped a lot to just either tell them like hey more energy or like hey this isn't you know this isn't where we need to be um so really yeah really hitting hard on defense um emphasizes just boxing out which sounds so elementary but um isu has not been good at defensive rebounding in the past so he's you know he's Doubling down, kind of on on those two aspects of the game.
1: That's interesting. You can almost picture him and Seton Soboleski late at night in the basketball office
0: trading <laughs> tips about defense. They and... probably are right now as we speak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Seton's a real defensive uh, guy too, so that's a good fit there.
0: Yeah, um, and and you know, like I said, only one practice, but I like what I saw. A um, lot of energy, very just kind of fast paced and loud. Everyone's talking all the time. Ryan Looney's you know, walking the sidelines and coaching and clapping and being very intense as if it were a game, which I think is interesting and I think it's cool, you know, to practice kind of as you're going to play and have that same mindset and same intensity. So, um, yeah, I liked a lot of what I saw. Any players that stood out to you? You know, kind of too early to tell. Um b- Braden Parker was going with the first team offense. Uh, six foot eight post. I think he's listed at, like two fifty five. He's huge. Cool. Um, local kid from Preston. It'll be interesting to kind of see. I think he's gonna. I think they're gonna want to get him obviously involved in the offense a lot, just because he's a big body and he he's fairly athletic. Um, Corey On Russian is one of the CSI transfers. Just looks super athletic. I mean, he went up for. I think he's like six five. He went up for. A couple dunks where it looks like he hardly jumped and just kind of just like fl- floated upward uh, <laughs> to his dunk. So he's kind of exciting. Um, I thought Jared Stutzman was shooting the ball well. Austin Smaley looks like he's been working on his shot, shooting the ball a little bit better. Um, I'm excited to go back and kind of watch some more and kind of see, see, you know, what this, what this team might look like. And like I said, tough to tell right now what, what they're going to look like just because they're, you know, they've got half ISU players and half CSI players. And what bodes well for that is that Ryan Looney and Jared Faye have known each other for a long time, probably coach fairly similarly. sure um, So, well, yeah, very interesting. We'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, it's interesting about, you know, in these preseason practices, regardless of how many you go to this early in the, in the preseason, I mean, it's, not so much about making sweeping judgments about players I've found. It's just, you know, yeah. seeing sort of plays and moments that stand out, you know.
0: Yeah, and I uh, Nico Aguirre, transfer point guard from CSI, I thought he looked pretty good, seemed like he had pretty good um, command of the offense, pretty, you know, kind of acted like a true floor general, kind of directing people all over the floor, also looks pretty good on defense. He was another guy that kind of I I started watching more at at the end of practice. Yeah. Cool. Um you've hung out with the ISU women's basketball team a a time or two. Any any early season takeaways from them?
1: Yeah, they're kind of um obviously not as unsettled, but they're in sort of a a similar place after losing all the talent that they lost last year. I mean, Grace Kenyon was around for forever, Sailor Grandin was had the ball in her hands so much last year. Both of those girls are gone, a couple other girls gone. They've got one senior coming back this year, uh Estefi Ors, the Spanish sharpshooter. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's you know, I think they'll it'll be interesting to see. Um Seton Soboliski has a class of freshmen that he think might see might see some playing time this year. Mm-hmm. What with um sort of the the thinness of the roster. Um I think a lot of things are kind of up in the air for them. Um, I mean, we we know they'll play defense. Uh, they spend a lot of time working on that in, in the practices that I've seen. I am not sure where the, the shooting is going to come from right. other than Steffi, yeah. uh, which will be interesting to see. Other players I like, I mean, Dorgols coming back from an injury that caused her to miss last year. Yeah, um, The point guard, I believe she's from the Czech Republic.
0: Or Croatia, maybe. Yeah. One of those two.
1: Yeah. Um, she looked a lot better in the second practice that I went to a week later. You know, I went to one of their first practices of the year, and it was sloppy for everybody. Um, but you can tell. I mean, Dora, yeah, Croatia, um, kind of a leader out there on, on mm-hmm. the court. Hopefully she'll pick up some of that. Um, Delaney Moore, junior post player, um, has looked pretty good. They'll probably look to lean on her a lot more in the offense. I I really like... Redshirt freshman, point guard Diaba Canata. Madison, we've talked about this before. I wrote about her in the paper um, a couple days ago. She's going to play for France's U23 national team yeah. in a three-on-three tournament in Qatar uh, in a few weeks. So she'll be she'll be missing a lot of the preseason. She is explosive, one of the quickest first steps that I've seen on a women's basketball player. Uh, really good sense of the game. Really good sense of how to use her body. I think to mm. finish. Um, she's got a developing pull-up game. I am not sure how much time she'll see this year. Mm. I think she's a little bit behind on on picking up some of the the defensive nuances mm. in Seton's system. Um, which you can you can see in practice, she gets a little bit lost sometimes. But she has the tools. And I think she is a really good on-ball defender. It's just to play in the system, you have to have it down. And if you don't, you're not going to play. So we'll see how much time she gets this year. But I think she's got really rare upside. Hmm. at at Idaho State in the Big Sky Conference, maybe I think she's got rare upside.
0: And she is she a freshman? She's a redshirt R- freshman. Redshirt freshman so right. she came she in here last in year. December yeah. last right. year and redshirted the rest
1: of that year and sort of played on the scout team and, and stuff like that. Um, you yeah. know, Seton really likes her. He, asked me to do the story on her with, with her going away to the national team. Uh I think he's he's probably right on with her. I mean she's she's a really impressive player a lot of the time. She's she's the player who's probably stood out to me Interesting. the most. So. Okay.
0: yeah. And and it seems like, you know, between her and Dora and um Callie Bourne, I think ran some of the point last year. they've, yeah. they've got a, a few candidates to kinda handle the ball a lot.
1: Right. And I think, you know, that's never a bad thing. I like Kelly Bourne too, the Australian. Yeah. Australian kid. I think she's got a good sense for the game. Um you can play those multiple of those girls on the floor at the same time depending on your right. matchups. Um you know, if you're going to play Diawa Kanate, kind of helps with that because she's got pretty good size. She's she's 5'7 and she's long and a really good defender. You know, she can defend up a position or two if you want to have her and Dora on the floor at the same time or or something like that.
0: Interesting. Uh, yeah, so it'll be fun to follow along with both of those teams. The ISU men's team, I believe, has an exhibition on October 23rd, which is very soon. That's two weeks away, so uh, yep. that's right around the corner. And, and the women also probably...
1: Women don't start up until November 1st. November
0: 1st, okay. But still, it's yeah, it's uh, it's coming up quick. I, I filled out my preseason poll and all-conference ballot, so those will be released next week, and we'll... we'll ISU was really hard to pick because, like I said, just so many unknowns, you know, new coaching staff, a ton of new players. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where the coaches and the media kind of pick them to finish this year yeah, walk on me, the men's side. Walk yeah. me
1: through your, your men's ballot real quick. We're, we're going to single out Madison here because I have not gotten around to filling out my ballot for the – Women's basketball, Big Sky preseason, you know, poll and awards and stuff like that. I think I have to do it tomorrow or something. But yeah. Madison, who is you know conscientious and, and good at his work <laughs> and was not in Missoula covering football all weekend, filled out his his ballot already. So just walk me through it. I mean, I think it's kind of an interesting year in the Big Sky.
0: It is, yeah. Um, and I ha- I did a bunch of research and I I took a lot of notes that I don't have in front of me. So and I don't, I honestly don't remember exactly what my picks were but i know that i i picked weber state number one montana number two um and andrew you and i talked about this that's kind of always just the safe route to go right is montana and weber at the top because that's where they usually finish i know weber was down a little bit last year and i think finished fourth in the regular season but those are kind of the two um you know flag bearing men's basketball programs of the big sky.
1: Right. If you look at where they finished, I mean, in the last decade, even it's it's those two teams just all the time. I don't think you can go wrong there. Uh, Montana is the team that has a lot of questions this year, but I can tell you that Montana has a lot of talent on that team this year. And, you know, Travis Deaker is a good coach. You know, they, they've always been around with him. They've got a lot of players who I think, you know, having seen them practice when I was covering them last year, who, you know, we're redshirt freshmen or didn't play all that much, and we will come off and and make an impact and make some people say, you know, wow, I I didn't know about that kid. Yeah. Um, so and they've got they've got pieces to fit around the you know, those 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 guys who kind of pop onto the scene will will have pieces to fit around. I mean, say Pritchett is a potential conference player of the year for Montana. You know.
0: Yeah, and I think I gave Weber State the edges because they have more, more coming back, more. More turning starters. I mean, Jared Harding's a first team all conference guy. Might end up being the preseason MVP.
1: He would be my pick for preseason MVP. Jared Harding yeah. is incredible.
0: Yeah, so he's really good. He's back. Um, they also have Cody John back and a, and a couple other guys who you know played a lot and and have played a lot in that system over the years. Um, Montana, like you were saying, just a bunch of kind of unknown guys, but you know Montana always just kind of stockpiles a lot of talent and
1: right, I mean, figures it out. Yeah. Montana is Saeed Pridgett, who was a first-team all-conference guy last year. He's one of my favorite players I've ever covered. I mean, if you yeah. watched him play, you know why. They've got Kendall Manuel, who was maybe the best sixth man in the league last year, you know, former Oregon State guy who can shoot it, who can handle the ball. Those are two really good players to build around. You know, I think they'll be fine.
0: And then third, I had Northern... Colorado, I think that, if I remember correctly, they returned four or five starters. Obviously, the one starter they lost, Jordan Davis, is really, really good. Sure. But they, I think they're really well coached, and they have a really good nu- nucleus that they're bringing back. Um, Eastern Washington, I picked fourth. They also have a couple um, all-conference caliber guys back. Mason Peatling, Jacob Davison are both back, and they both missed some time with last year, but both had um, pretty good seasons, and Eastern, of course, was the tournament runner-up, and, yes. and, and they and they get some guys back. And they gave Montana yeah. a
1: pretty good game. And they that did. Was, that was the Montana team that was by far the best team in the conference
0: last year. And yeah.
1: Eastern, you know, didn't really ever have them on the ropes, but gave them a good game in that conference championship.
0: And then I think I voted Montana State probably higher than anybody else. I, <laughs> I voted them 5th. And you know maybe I'll maybe I'll be wrong about that one, but I think Her- Harold Frey, 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 Frey. I'm never gonna remember that.
1: Harold Frey is really good. You need to watch Game of Thrones, man. Yeah, Frey. He, he uh,
0: I think he's really, really good. He does. He kind of reminds me of Bogdan Bliznick who played for Eastern a, a few years ago. Just does everything really well. You know what I mean? Just a very solid player. Always composed. Um, does a lot of stuff well. He, uh, he was actually my pick for preseason MVP, but like you said, Jarek Harding might end up getting that. He's probably going to lead the league in scoring unless some someone just uh, shocks us, you know, right? But he's, he's probably yeah, going lead the league in yeah, scoring. And, yeah, will
1: get a lot of touches for Montana, uh, and he's maybe the most efficient scorer in the country. But Jarek Harding is... The thing about Jarek Harding is, you know, I talk about Diabacanate having a, a quick first step. Jarek Harding's first step, his acceleration is off the charts. It's just incredible. I mean, some of the things that you, you see him do, I mean, you're like, who is staying in front of that? Nobody. And yeah. he adds to that. He's a great finisher around the rim. He's He has a great sense of where the basket is. I mean, he had this one finish against Montana last year where he, like, was going full speed, came up on the other side, you know, didn't even look at the rim before he laid it in, you know, contested by two guys. I'm like, very few other people do yeah, that. Because sure. he's going so fast, too, but he the fact that he's able to play that under control at those speeds just makes him
0: such a difficult matchup. And then number six, I had Southern Utah. They've, okay. got, they've got a lot of their key players back.
1: Southern Utah is sort of the, the darling, um, you know, dark horse team this sure. year. A lot of people, yeah. you know, people. some people are picking them first, I'm sure. They have a lot of talent coming back.
0: They do, yeah. Um among them is Dwayne Morgan, who is a former UNLV player. Um and I think he is, like, in his fifth or sixth year because he has transferred and then was hurt last season. He's a pretty good uh, kind of a stretch four guy. And then I had Northern Arizona seventh. They bring back all five starters. They have not been very good over the years, but they bring all five starters back. They have a new head coach. So they're they're kind of my, my sleeper pick. Sac State eight eighth. Uh, Idaho State ninth. So if any ISU players or coaches or fans are listening and don't like that pick, <laughs> that's fine. But like I said, just don't know what you're going to get with Idaho State. They could finish 3rd, they could be 9th, 10th, I just don't know. Um, I wish I had a chance to you know, watch them play a game and then f- fill out this poll, but that's not the point of the poll, right? right. Um, so anyway, Idaho State ninth. Portland State 10th, Idaho 11th to round it out for me. So
1: Yeah, I want to talk, we're running out of time here I want to talk real quick about Southern Utah.
0: Sure. Because You're high of, on Southern
1: Utah. A lot of people are because yeah. when you look at their roster this year, the talent that Todd Simon has sort of put together on that roster this year. I mean, they've got Cameron Oliaton, who's a Boise State transfer, yeah. who was good player. Low key, one of the most well rounded players in the league last year. Um, you know, six seven, can shoot it, can handle it. Really good player, Dwayne Morgan, like you said, coming back this year, former UNLV player, their their big post guy, Andre Adams. Former Arizona State player, you know they've got uh, Jacoby Long, former Iowa State guy, yeah, who's eligible to play this year. You know they've got a a seven zero kid who transferred from Illinois State. I guess who knows if he'll play or not.
0: That's not even counting Harrison Butler, who was really good last year, one of the best rebounding guards in the league. Dre Morin has played since he was a freshman. He's he's played a lot of minutes since he was a freshman yeah point guard. Ring,
1: yeah. he's a he's a junior he'll probably start at point guard again this year I, when you look at this roster you know I don't know who can match it I mean they've got they've got a 611 Croatian guy who's a senior now
0: yeah and here's the thing for me is like ISU got beaten pretty handily by SUU in the first round of the conference tournament last year but I'm pretty sure ISU also beat so then you talk about like twenty five points during the regular season. Right. So they kind of S- underperform during the regular season and they finish like in the middle of the pack and then they do well in the tournament. So I'm kind of picking them according to where they usually They do end that. Up.
1: They yeah. do that. I think their their talent this year is a level above what they've had. I think the sure. the lineup options that Todd Simon has this year are kind of ridiculous with the sort of mixing and matching that he can do Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say it's you know i thought the same thing about montana last year i'm not gonna say they're they're on the same level but they potentially could be with all all that talent i think todd simon is a pretty decent in-game coach you
0: know i mean so so we'll see there's no reason why they shouldn't be right up there at the top of the conference in my opinion all right anyway you were to hear first, Andrew Houghton picking Southern Utah to win the Big Sky this year yeah, on the dude, men's side. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not
1: saying that, but they're going to be up there.
0: We will uh, give you a rundown of Andrew's Big Sky women's preseason picks ne- next week. As, uh, so
1: long as I get around to it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, you, I think your deadline is actually in, at like, in like 11 hours, so you should do that. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, until then, be, be sure to follow along with us during Saturday's ISU football game, and we'll talk to you next week.